Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد we left off last week the time the part of the seerah where Rasulullah was going through the Amal Huzn or the year of grief. And uh, just to remember just a little bit briefly, that's the time uh, when Khadija anha and uh, Abu Talib, uh, they both passed away uh, in a very short period of time. These were the two main supporters of Rasulullah uh, in the uh, Makki time, uh, and uh, before that, uh, already uh, Sahaba and Rasulullah was going through a lot of difficulties and hardships uh, because of carrying Islam and calling people towards worshiping one Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala alone. And um, the, the, that specific call of La Ilaha Illallah that was sufficient for the Quraysh. Um, and the Meccans to oppose the call of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And uh, there's uh, one thing we'll start off from there is something to remember that what is the thing that we're really keeping Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Sahaba on the track. It is important to understand that even though they went through so many hardships that included different kinds of uh, insults that they did and uh, uh, torture or assassination attempts to Rasulullah and some of the Sahaba, they were martyred as well. They were martyred as well. Now, <coughs> the reason we have to know uh, and we have to learn also that what kept the Sahaba and Rasulullah going uh, is we find today uh, Muslims um, uh, in general are going through many difficulties. And uh, the only cause behind that is because they are Muslims. And it is becoming very evident, uh, especially now when we are hearing news about India. Many of, us are, many of us are aware of it. We are watching different kinds of uh, video clips or uh, pieces of news here and there. And uh, it is becoming very evident that uh, uh, the only reason that uh, the Muslims are going through all these hardships is because of they are the carriers of la ilaha illallah. And alhamdulillah, in a sense, uh, uh, we are hearing the calls even from India today that uh, uh, the people are gathering around the very same kalima. And they are reminding each other that the, the thing that unites us is la ilaha illallah. Uh, and that is our common thread. That, that is the thing that is uniting us and keeping us uh, as part of the one body, which the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam refers to. 
Now, uh, and, and I'm referring to, if any of you is not aware of, about the CAA, CAA uh, citizen, uh, Citizenship Amendment Act, or uh, NRC, uh, or the CAB, whatever they call it, or 370 in, uh, in Kashmir and 35A, all those things which are happening. Um, we have to remember that it is because of uh, them being Muslim, this is uh, what they're going through. And uh, to remember that, <coughs> that this is a result of uh, something which is very evident, but sometimes it gets diluted and people don't pay attention to. The main cause of what is happening in India is no different than what happened in Myanmar, no different than what happened in China, no different than what happened in Palestine, and yet the list goes on and on. Uh, the cause of all these things is nothing but the man-made systems which are leading the people in the abyss of, uh, what I call it, like a dark ages. And uh, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, with a parable, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and the meaning of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving a parable of the kalimat al-khabitha. Kalimat al-khabitha is uh, the word which is khabith. Um, uh, I don't know how to translate the word khabith. A bad word uh, that uh, that has a very, the roots are uprooted and it does not have any stability. And when the roots are, or the, the, the word itself from which everything else is coming out of, it, the word itself is bad, whatever comes out of it will be bad as well. So now today what's happening to the Muslim Ummah and even the world at large, uh, people are oppressed, it is because of people are ruled by the man-made systems. That's causing all the atrocities in the world. And the only solution that, can, that, that can, people can have is from Islam, from Allah Azzawajal. And that can bring the peace, justice for, for the mankind. And the Sahaba, the thing that was kept going in the Meccan time, when they were calling for La ilaha illallah also, was one of the key things was they had an unshakable belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was nothing deterring them away from calling towards Islam. So that's the one thing, one of the most important, important things they had. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it. Then as for the foam, it passes away as come upon the banks. While that which is for the good of mankind remains in the earth. Referring to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's, that's the iman, that's the aqidah that, that kept the sahaba going. And the other thing that kept the sahaba on uh, this, uh, uh, he kept them, uh, what do you call it, and the, on the footsteps of the sabr or perseverance or patience was the, the true leadership of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam among them. And the kind of leadership Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had, even the kuffar, the one who were staunch enemy of Islam, even them, they were, they were aware of the honesty of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his truthfulness. And they actually they did not really reject Rasulullah The more of a rejected the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what they were against. They, they loved Rasulullah as a person. But the moment he started calling towards La ilaha illallah, that's the thing that triggered all the hardships that was happening. 
And one of the stories which is mentioned is uh, Abu Jahl, actually. It, uh, it mentions, one of the, the, the stories mentioned that uh, he said, that we do not deny you, Rasulullah It's what you are bringing, is that what we are denying. And Allah Azza wa Jal actually mentions that in the Quran as well. Allah subhanahu says, That indeed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is not you that they deny, but it is it is Allah's ayat, the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah is revealing. This is which uh, the, the wrongdoers or the uh, the, the oppressors are rejecting. This is mentioned in Surah Al-Anam. And uh, <clears throat> uh, besides that, uh, they had a very uh, strange uh, love and hate kind of relationship with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa like for example, one time Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was uh, actually doing the tawaf of the Kaaba, and they were insulting Rasulullah sallallahu They were trying to insult Rasulullah saying bad things to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And when he was doing the tawaf, and after I think the third tawaf, the circumambulation, the, the, the circle that he was making, he said, "Ya ma'ashar al-Quraysh, jiktukum bidabha." O Quraysh, I came with the command of Dabha. Dabha is slaughtering you. Now, uh, upon hearing this, because they were very well aware of Rasulullah's personality, that he is not a liar, he is a truthful person, and he, he doesn't make up, as the previous ayah talks about. It's not that they were denying Rasulullah, they, they, they knew who he was. They were denying the, the ayahs of Allah. So now they got scared when Rasulullah said this. And they started trying to appease him, calm him down. As if uh, by doing so, it will avert any kind of a thing that's going to happen, the bad things going to happen on them. And similar kind of a thing that you find from them, like one uh, Ubay bin Khalf, uh, he used to threaten to Rasulullah to kill him. And uh, once one day Rasulullah said to him, that he, he will kill him by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, uh, we know one of the hadith of Rasulullah that talks about anybody who kills a prophet or being killed by a prophet, they, are from, they, 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 are jahannam, they, they go to Jahannam. Now, this Umay, uh, Ubay bin Khalf, he got so scared and uh, he was horrified when Rasulullah said that. Again, going back to the same thing, because they knew of Rasulullah is a truthful person. So now, in uh, uh, one of the Ghazwat, I believe it was Ghazwat uh, al-Uhad, and he was barely got a scratch on him. And he started saying that he will, uh, Rasulullah has killed him. And he said, I am convinced that he would be able to kill me even if he spat on me. This is the way he, they used to look at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm talking about the kind of a leadership he had. So that leadership was kept going to Sahaba. And I'll talk about how Sahaba were looking at him also. But first I want to talk about how the Kuffar, the one who were enemies of Islam, they were looking at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Similarly, about Umayyah bin Khalf. 
one of the hadith it is uh, mentioned in uh, uh, in one of the hadith books uh, in Bukhari it talks about uh, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad one of the leaders of uh, of the of the Ansar and he was a very good uh, friend of Umayyah bin Khalf another leader of Kufar of the Mecca and uh, he used to visit Mecca and whenever he visits Mecca he will stay with Umayyah bin Khalf and when Umayyah is visiting Medina or passing by Medina because their trade routes were through Medina. So he would stay with Sa'ad bin Mu'adh. So once Sa'ad was visiting Mecca, and he, uh, uh, he asked uh, uh, Umayyah bin Khalf, <coughs> which was actually, his name was, uh, Kunia was Abu Safwan as well. So he said, oh Abu Safwan, he wanted to do, he said he wanted to do the tawaf of the Kaaba. Now, he said, give me the time when not many people are there. So during the daytime, he went and he started doing the tawaf. Now, Abu Jahl, he saw uh, Abu Safwan, or uh, sorry, Sa'ad bin Mu'ad. So Sa'ad bin Mu'ad doing the tawaf. So he started saying, uh, I see you wandering about safely in Mecca, in spite of the fact that you have been given shelter to the people who have changed their religion. Referring to Rasulullah and the Sahaba, because this was after Rasulullah and the Sahaba migrated to Medina. Okay? Now, uh, uh, so he was saying, by Allah, if you were not in the company of Abu Safwan, you would not be able to go to your family safely. Now, Sa'ad, he was one of the leaders of the Medina as well, who was Ansar. He goes, Sa'ad raising his voice said to him, By Allah, if you should stop me from doing this, performing tawaf, I would certainly prevent you from something which is more valuable for you. That is your passage through Medina. Because they used to go to uh, Sham, because Medina was in the north, Mecca was in the south, and uh, Sham was further north of the Medina. So if they had to do the trade, they had to pass through their path. And they were letting them go. So now he said, if you do this, I'm going to stop you doing something that's really dear to you. So on this, Umayyah said to him, O Sa'ad, do not raise your voice before Abu Jahl, Abu, Abu, Abu Hakam, of course, he said, because he's one of the leaders of the Quraysh. Uh, so now Sa'ad said, O Umayyah, stop that by Allah. I have heard, I have heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that predicting that the Muslim will kill you. Now Umayyah asked uh, in Mecca. So now, see, look how his tone changed now. He's figuring out where he's going to get killed. He's not even saying, he has no doubt. Rasulullah said it, it's going to happen. So now Umayyah is saying, is he going to kill me in Mecca or somewhere else? So he Sa'ad said, I do not know. Only thing I, he knew of, Rasulullah mentioned that he would be killed. So Umayyah was greatly scared by that news. See, he got scared. When Umayyah returned to his family, he said to his wife, Oh, Um Safan, don't you know what Sa'ad told me? She said, what? What has he told you? He replied, he claimed that Muhammad has informed them, i.e. the companions, that they will kill me. I asked him in Mecca, so she's asked the same thing, in Mecca, and he said, I don't know. That Umayyah said, by Allah, I will never go out of Mecca. See how, how, how much they knew about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's what it means by the leadership. And that's what it means by personality, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even the enemy was looking at. <coughs> and then, but when the day of the Ghazwatul Badr came, so he was, he planned he was never going to leave Mecca now. 
when the ghazbat al-badr is about to happen abu jahal came and he started talking to him and he said by uh, go and protect your caravan but umayya disliked to go out of makkah so abu jahal came to him and said oh abu safwan if the people see you staying behind though you are the chief of the people of the valley they uh, they will remain behind you so abu jahal kept on urging him to go until umayya said and you have forced me to change my mind by allah uh, i will buy the the best camel in Makkah. So look what he's doing. Trying to buy the best camel so he can run, run away as soon as possible. If some hard, <laughs> some difficulty about to happen on him. So uh, the Umayyah said to his wife, Oh, Musafan, prepare what I need for a journey. She said to him, Oh, Musafan, have you forgotten what your, your Yathrabi brother, talking about Sa'ad bin Mu'al, told you? He said, No, but I don't want to go with them, but for a short distance. So he wants to go short distance and run away. This is the kind of impact he had. And so when Umayyah went out, he used to tie his camel wherever they camped. So it doesn't go far. He just keep tying his camel. He kept on doing that till Allah caused him to be killed in Badr. So that was written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him. But look how he was looking at Rasulullah These are the enemies. Now you can imagine the one who believed in Rasulullah how much love and how they were looking at his leadership. So now when it comes to them, Look at one, one day, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu uh, He was severely beaten by Utbah bin Rabi'ah. And uh, he was a, a polytheist and his, uh, he beat them up so much that Abu Bakr's whole body was bleeding. And now when he came back in his senses, and con- he became conscious, the first thing he asked at that point was, how was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? The love he had. And he said, he will not eat or drink anything until he finds out Rasulullah is safe. This is the love they have for Rasulullah Now, similarly, we can find uh, 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 many, many examples of Sahaba, how they were willing to sacrifice themselves just to protect Rasulullah and did not want to have any scratch happen to Rasulullah so I'm not going to go into that much of a detail about that. Now, other trait that these the Muslims had at that time was the sense of responsibility. They, uh, the, these early companions, they understood that what kind of responsibility they are carrying to for the for the mankind or the humanity at large, because if they are not the one who carry this message, there will not be anybody after them. So they were very uh, uh, they, 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 they understand this responsibility very clearly and they were very aware of it and they, uh, that responsibility have to be taken care of. Besides that, the, the thing that really kept them going was their belief in the Day of Judgment. See, they were entering into the folds of Islam and they were getting, many of them, they got across many different kinds of tortures. And uh, they, they understood that that they may come across this. It's not that uh, it's not that they were becoming Muslim that they wanted to be tortured. Of course, they were not becoming Muslim to get tortured. But when they were becoming Muslim, they had to come across these kind of hardships as well. But they believe in the Day of Judgment. They believe that the real life is after this life and the Day of Judgment, and we will be accountable for what we are doing in this dunya. So that another thing. This is another thing that kept them going. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, يُوتُونَ مَا آتَوْا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَةٌ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ 
that who give that their, their, uh, their charity uh, which they give and also to other good deeds with their hearts full of fear whether their uh, arms and charity etc have been accepted or not because they are sure to return to their Lord because there see this this idea this concept that we have to go back and face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that become if that becomes clear in our mind that is sufficient enough for us to yeah. always stick to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us and that's what you find about the Sahaba they stick with it and the fifth thing that we find is the Quran itself the impact of the Quran on the Sahaba and the Quran was continuously reminding them as whichever situation they were coming across Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was revealing the ayat about the specific situation and uh, uh, keeping them going like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah where is the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, indeed, the certainly the help of Allah is near. The help of Allah will be God. And similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a similar thing that in Surah Al-Kabut, Alif Lam Mim, Ahasib al Nasu an Yutraku an Yaqulu Amanna, Bahum la Yuftanun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that do the people think that they will let go without they have been tested, they have gone through a trial or tribulation. Allah is saying, just by saying that we believe, is that enough? Allah is saying, Indeed, for sure, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have tested the people in the past to find out who are the truthful ones, the liars or the deniers, and who, uh, sorry, who are the deniers or the, uh, the, the, the liars, and who are the really the truthful ones. To distinguish who's truthful and who's the liar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the people through different kinds of trials and tribulations. So when we are looking at what's happening, for example, in India, yes, this is true, this is a difficult situation. We are not the one who are hoping to get into those the situation. But we should be looking at from that perspective, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing us here to find out who are the really one who's on the, on the truth. Okay. And uh, besides that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was testing, also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped the Sahaba and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with many different uh, ayat were revealed regarding the victory is about to come. See, the, the, a believer, he keeps going when he has the hope that the, at the end of the day, the aqibah, aqibah al muttaqin that aqibah, the end uh, uh, goal, uh, end, uh, 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 the final victory will be for the, for the believers, for the muttaqin, for the righteous ones. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforted the sahaba by uh, uh, many ayat that reveal, like for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that their multitude will be put to flight and they will slow, uh, show their backs. Talking about that uh, the, the one who are giving you hardship, they will turn away, they will run away. 
and you are the one who will be the one who will be winner. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says uh, in Surah Al-Sa'ad, They will be defeated hosts like the confederates of the old times. And 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 uh, there uh, uh, similarly Allah Subhanahu wa talks about when he is referring to Surah uh, uh, in Surah Al-Yusuf about the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam who were uh, who were tricking who, who tricked Yusuf alayhi salam. Uh, Allah in Yusuf and his brethren there were ayat uh, or the signs for those who ask meaning the, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned uh, uh, the whole situation in the favor of Yusuf alayhi salam his brothers uh, actually they first they dumped him into a well and, and but and then after they were dumped into the well some uh, when he was found from the well and he was taken to the Aziz and then there were accusations made against Yusuf and he was in prison uh, uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end that he gave him the upper hand and he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the, the mulk gave him the ruling uh, in the Masr as well and uh, 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 there are many other ayat in the, uh, uh, that talks about the glad tidings given to the believers now uh, after Amr Huzun, after the death of uh, Khadija radiallahu anha, Rasulullah sallallahu actually married to one of uh, the Ummahatul Mu'mineen at that time. She, she was, he was married to Sauda radiallahu anha. This is the first marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha. And uh, she was a widow and she was actually an old lady. Uh, she, was a, what, she was one of the uh, early uh, converts of Islam and she is the one who actually encouraged her husband to become a Muslim as well and after the second, hij- uh, the second hijrah to Habasha when they were returning her husband passed away and uh, she was a, uh, she was a firm believer and when it was suggested to Rasulullah about her situation she was in a very difficult situations actually and Rasulullah made her so that was her, uh, Rasulullah's First marriage after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha. So uh, after that, Rasulullah uh, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, uh, after the uh, Amr Huzan in the tenth year, he expanded his call now. And uh, inshallah, I just want to make sure the time. How much time we have today? Okay, I'll try to cover it up the only the part of uh, the his journey to Taif, and inshallah, then stop there. So in the Shawwal of uh, uh, in the shawal of the 10th year of the nabuwa or the prophethood rasulullah was ordered by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to head towards taif taif uh, or he started going to other tribes as well to call towards islam now uh, many of us listen to the story of taif and uh, sometimes do not realize why rasulullah went to taif yes he went for to do the da'wah but the da'wah was uh, especially for three brothers who were the leaders of, uh, of the ta'if. And these three brothers were uh, Abdu Yalil, Mas'ud and Habib. They were the sons of Amr bin Umair al-Thaqafi. And when Rasulullah met him, when he was on the way to the ta'if, whoever he was meeting, he was conveying the message of Islam. Unfortunately, most of the people, all the people in that time, they continuously were rejecting the call of Rasulullah And when he went to meet these three brothers, uh, his call was very clear. Accept Islam 
and support Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to implement the commands of Allah azza wa jal, the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the call Rasulullah sallallahu was going with now. Now, here uh, these three brothers, they were very uh, 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 harsh against Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They are very tough stance. One of them said, he said about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he said, uh, he is uh, tearing the cloth of Kaaba. Is it true that Allah has sent you as a messenger? Like in a ridiculing, uh, trying to ridicule Rasulullah Second one says, has not Allah found someone else to entrust him with, the, with his message? Uh, the third one goes, I swear by Allah that I will never have any contact with you. To, talking to Rasulullah If you are really the messenger of Allah, then you are too serious to uh, retort back. And if you are belying Allah, then I feel, I feel it is imperative not to speak uh, speak to you. So he said, if you are uh, if you are a liar, it doesn't really matter. I don't even care talking to you. And if you are really a truthful one, he is. He said, I can't. Uh, I can't do that. Now, Rasulullah when he uh, did not see any positive signs from these people, he continued. He stayed there in Taif for about ten days. He continued da'wah. But the, the reply, response was very harsh to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, when Rasulullah was returning back, uh, they were throwing stones at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They were slaves and the kids. Uh, and they, they threw, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu started bleeding to a point Rasulullah sallallahu shoe was actually filled with blood. And this was one of the most difficult times Rasulullah sallallahu uh, went through. And uh, at that time, uh, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that dua is a very famous dua. And Rasulullah sallallahu said, O oh Allah, to you alone I make complaint of my helpless, helplessness, the paucity of my resources my, and my insignificance before mankind. You are the most merciful of the merciful. You are the Lord of the helpless and the weak. O oh Lord of mine, into whose hands would you abandon me into the hands of an unsympathetic, unsympath uh, distant relative who would uh, suddenly frown at me, or to the enemy who has been given control over my affairs? But if your wrath does not fall on me, there is nothing for me to worry about. I seek protection in the light of your uh, countenance, which illuminates the heavens and dispels darkness, which controls all the affairs in this world as well as in the hereafter. May it never be that I should incur your wrath, or that you should be wrathful to me. And there is no power, no resource but your alone. So this is the dua that Rasulullah made when he was going through so much difficulty. And when he was, go uh, he was going through that, uh, two of the sons of Rabia, who was a wealthy uh, person from Mecca, they saw Rasulullah and uh, they were uh, they were because of again the tribal uh, kinship and all those things always triggered the love towards taking care of the, your own people. So he sent two of his uh, sons, uh, actually two of his son, uh, they were moved of his kinship. Uh, the, those the two sons of Rabia, they sent their Christian servant. His name was Adas, and they sent him with some grapes to Rasulullah and when he offered that, Rasulullah said Bismillah and start eating. When he heard Rasulullah saying Bismillah, this Adda, he was a Christian uh, slave, uh, he, right away he said, I have never heard anybody else saying the word Bismillah the way you're saying, using it here. 
So upon which he said, why, why do you use these words? These are the words which people in the land do not generally use. Rasulullah said, inquired of him. So Rasulullah started talking to him, who are you, where are you from? So he mentioned that he's from Nenoah and he's of a, of a Christian faith. So Rasulullah said, you belong to the city of righteous Jonah, son of Makkah. Uh, Adas said, asked him uh, anxiously if he knew anything about Jonah. So now Yunus. So about that, Rasulullah sallallahu he told him that, he is my brother, he was prophet, and so am I. When he heard that, that he was referring to Yunus as his uh, brother as a, in the prophethood, he kissed Rasulullah's head, his hands, and his feet. So now the, the sons of uh, Rabia, they were looking at him, what's going on here? Now our slave, he went to see him, and now he's standing, leaving his religion, and he's kissing the head and the feet of the, the, this guy. So now uh, they right away they went and said, first they said, uh, what were you doing? Why you kiss his hand? So uh, Adas said, none of, uh, no one on the earth is better than he is. He has revealed to me a truth which only Prophet can do. No, because those people, they did not know of this, what Rasulullah was talking about. They again reprimanded him and said, we, we forewarn you against the consequences of abandoning the faith of your forefathers. The religion which you profess is far better than the one you feel inclined to. So they threatened him. Now Rasulullah was uh, depressed and, uh, and he was heartbroken. Uh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention one of the things was uh, Zaid bin Haritha was with Rasulullah during this trip with, uh, when he went to Taif. Now when he, said, uh, when he was going back to Mecca, uh, and he was, he reached the place called Qarn al-Manazim. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jibreel alayhi salam. And with Jibreel, he sent another angel. He was an angel of mountain. And uh, uh, he said, the, 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 angel of Jibreel, uh, the angel of mountain, he said to Rasulullah sallam for the permission to bury Makkah between Al-Khashabain, uh, Abu Qubais and Quwaiqa. Uh, uh, these are the mountains that they were mentioned. And he said, okay, you know, if you order us, we will just bury them between these mountains. Now, this, uh, there's a dua, Rasulullah, Rasulullah said something very interesting when this was said to him. He said, uh, he said, Rasulullah said that he hoped, I said in reply that I would rather have someone from their uh, from their loins, who will worship Allah, the Almighty, with no associate. So we're talking about who? The people of Taif, which is, and again, those three brothers were a thaqafi, right? Well, uh, they were from the sons of uh, Amr ibn Umar, a thaqafi. And Rasulullah made this dua, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring somebody from their loins, who will be saying, La ilaha illallah. Now, I want to just take a pause because what I started off was the issue of India today. How many of you know that how Islam started in India? Meaning, really, this, uh, India was open. Who's the, who's the person who opened India? Or Indian subcontinent? Anybody knows here? Muhammad bin Qasim. Muhammad bin Qasim. But do you know where he was from? Sorry. Actually, if you read his name, sometimes you, uh, the full name is written as Muhammad bin Qasim al-Thaqafi. Look, if Rasulullah did look at the dua of Rasulullah this is the result of the dua. As a matter of fact, most of them who are sitting in this room, we owe 
to Muhammad bin Qasim al-Thaqafi who entered through Sindh into the Indian subcontinent because of few children and few women were kidnapped by Raja Dahir or his associates and he was giving protection just for those few because Muslims had the power the Khalifa was there he sent an army headed by Muhammad bin Qasim and they opened this is why Sindh is also called Babul Islam yeah the door of Islam for the Indian subcontinent so this is how the matters were taken care in the past because we were sticking with Islam because we were calling for la ilaha illallah and we were defending not only Muslims any oppressed in the world because of the very same la ilaha illallah that unite us as one okay so that dua of rasulullah sallallahu we can see the impact of the dua even in this room how our forefathers entered into the folds of Islam. That's, if if that, that, those people were destroyed at that time, maybe the, the situation would have been different today. But uh, uh, Rasulullah was a very compassionate person. And he said in his dua in the beginning, if Allah is not angry with him, he's okay with it. And he will continue to do what Allah has ordered him to do. So when Rasulullah now when he was trying to come back, okay, uh, at that point, by the way, there's another incident happened. And that, again, see what I was talking about, whenever the hardships were happening, Rasulullah through the Quran, comforted Rasulullah and Sahaba. In this case, which is one of the hadith talks about it, when Rasulullah was asked about if, uh, was there any day more difficult than Uhud? And Rasulullah talked about this day, by the way, what happened in Taif. On that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did something different for Rasulullah to comfort him, which was a group of jinn was passing by. And they heard Rasulullah reciting the Quran. And they entered into folds of Islam. As the, the couple of ayat, one is in Surah Al Qahf and the other one is in Surah Al Jinn, that talks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. نَفْرُ مِنَ فَقَالُوا إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا قُرْآنًا عَجَبًا That uh, <coughs> It has been revealed to me that a group from uh, uh, Nafr in Arabic referred to between a number which is between 3 and 10. Between 3 and 10 uh, of jinn listen to the Quran. They said, verily we have heard a wonderful recital of this Qur'an, it guides to the right path, and we have believed therein, and we shall never join in worship anything with our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was a, a comforting thing for Rasulullah even though he was rejected by, or denied by the ta'if, and the hardship that Rasulullah went through, but this comforted him, for, that even the jinn were coming into the fold of Islam. So that was, uh, that comforted Rasulullah But now Rasulullah when he was on his way back, now it was difficult for him to go back to Mecca in this situation because uh, the hardship that he was going to Mecca and now coming back like this situation that he was, uh, he was hurt uh, physically. So he sent one of the guys, uh, one of the, uh, the people from Banu Khuza'ah, uh, on his way actually he stayed at Ghari uh, Hira again. Uh, and from there he sent a person from Banu Khuza'ah back to uh, Mecca and he asked for actually protection so he can enter into Mecca under somebody's protection 
So uh, first he asked for Al-Aqnas bin Shuraik uh, seeking his protection. Then he, sa- uh, he said he's an ally with the Quraysh and he cannot offer protection. So he dispatched another messenger to Suhail bin Amr. Suhail bin Amr is one of the Sahaba. Actually, he became entered the folds of Islam. He's the same person who was actually was, who was writing the Surah Hudaybiyah also. He entered into folds of Islam, but at this time he was non-Muslim, but he also denied the protection of Rasulullah And then, Al-Muta'am bin Adi. This is the, the, the person we talked about in last talk, and I just want to make a correction here. By mistake, I said that he became Muslim later on. He did not. His son did. Muta'am bin Jubair, uh, bin, uh, sorry, Jubair bin Muta'am is the one who became a Muslim, not him. Uh, so, uh, uh, he is the one, he accepted to protect Rasulullah He gathered his tribal member, the people, and put the arms, and they took Rasulullah together like this, so everybody knows that this he is under the protection of Al-Muta'am bin Ali. So now, when they entered Abu Jahl, he saw. So first thing he asked, have you become Muslim? He is worried now. So Muta'am answered, no, he did not become Muslim. And for that, uh, Abu Jahl then, he backed off and uh, Rasulullah was able to enter into uh, Mecca safely now. About Muta'am uh, Ali, uh, Rasulullah actually remembered his favor when it was in Ghazratul Badr. And Rasulullah said, uh, he said, Rasulullah never forgot the Muta'am's favor at the conclusion of the battle of Badr, when there was some uh, prisoner of wars. Rasulullah said, if Muta'am, had still been alive. And if he would have asked to release the Qurayshites, the, the, the people, the captives, he would, would not deny him his request because of the favor that he did to Rasulullah. I just want to make sure that one, one thing is understood here and we'll stop here, inshallah, which is when Rasulullah took the uh, protection from Mut'am, it was a protection on an individual, Rasulullah himself. It was not for all the Muslims as an ummah or something that we are going towards uh, today. Unfortunately, anything hardship happened to the Muslim, we look up to different uh, governments to come and protect us uh, as if uh, we as Muslim cannot do anything for our, of our own. He was only talking about himself as, as an individual because the rest of the Muslim and Sahaba, they were still living the same life. He was the only one who was given the protection. They want to make sure that uh, it is not taken uh, in the wrong way. Well, I'll stop here, inshallah, and if there is any uh, questions or comment about the subject that was uh, covered today, uh, inshallah, I'll try to answer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe. Share and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.